I want to begin, as everybody's kind of working their way in and having a seat, I want to begin with an illustration, and I especially want the boys and girls uh, of all ages, but especially the little kids, uh, to pay attention, because this is a significant illustration. Today, we're going to talk about being made in the image of God. A long, long time ago, like 40 plus years ago, I lived in Japan when I was in the Navy, and I started a coin collection, and this thing is just filled with all kinds of coins, okay, from, from different countries, lots of different countries, and I've got the Philippines here, and Brazil, I've got North Korea, I've got France, I've got Africa, I've got just all kinds of countries that are represented here, and that's the bills, and then I just have probably hundreds and hundreds of coins also. Now, if you melted all of these down, we might be able to buy a cup of coffee, okay? Because the ones that were of any value uh, that had silver in them, I sold them a long time ago, all right? But, but what's interesting about these coins is that there are over 15 countries that have the picture, the image of Queen Elizabeth II on them. And this is one, this is the Bank of England, five pounds. Here's another one from Canada. This is two Canadian dollars. One from the Bahamas, one Canadian dollar. That's just the paper monies. There are many others. And then here are the coins. And all of these coins and many others have Queen Elizabeth's image on them as well. Uh, here's one from, uh, uh, from the United Kingdom. Um, here's one from Hong Kong. I've got one in here from the Mediterranean. I can't remember what country it was. I've got some Canadians as well, Canadian ones as well. And they have the image of Queen Elizabeth II also. Now, what's interesting is she just recently passed away, 2022, and a week later, they began already creating new coins for King Charles III, and they're going to begin the circulation in 2024. So maybe these are going to be worth something someday, and I'm going to be rich. Who knows? <laughs> My point is this, that Queen Elizabeth's image is on the coin, and it makes me think about what Jesus said when they tried to trick him one time. Listen to this. And they said to him, some of the Pharisees, some of the Herodians, they sent to him, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you, you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. They're buttering him up. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And this would be Elizabeth's. Render to Queen Elizabeth's what is Queen Elizabeth's. Uh, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. Well, the point is this. Whose image are you made in? You're made in God's image. Render to our government the things that are our governments, but render to God the things that have his image stamped upon them. And we have the image of God stamped upon us. Not just the righteous, everyone that walks this earth, righteous, unrighteous, politically in agreement with me, not theologically, not. Everyone that walks this earth has been stamped with the image of God. And we should render unto God the things that are God. 
Last week we looked at Genesis chapter 1 verses 3 through the first part of verse 26 and we saw God actively create everything that has been created. We mentioned that he didn't make it but he created it. He created it from nothing. Things that are made are made from something but God created from nothing. He said let there be, let there be, let there be and it was um, at some point in day six of creation, God said to himself, and that's unique all by itself, at some point in day six of creation, God said to himself, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, an inner communication, if you will, let us make man in our image. And we find that inner God communication different places in Scripture. I'm not going to highlight them, but I just wanted to mention them in case you would want them. I can send them to you. Psalm 2 Psalm 110, Psalm, excuse me, Isaiah 45, Romans chapter 8, where the Spirit prays with us, uh, for us rather. And so there's this inner communication amongst the Godhead. And he said, let us make man in our image. Everything that has been created from nothing was finished up to this point, And now it's time for Elohim, the pearl of God, to create man. Day 1, verse 3 of chapter 1, it's, uh, he's, uh, Scripture says, let there be light, and there was light. There was evening, there was morning, first day. Day 2, verse 6, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water. Let us separate the waters from the heavens. And it was so. Uh, there was evening, there was morning. Verse 9 is also day 2, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. Uh, day 3, you find in verse 11, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing, excuse me, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to his kind on the earth. And it was so, it was evening and it was morning. Day four is verse 14, let there be lights in the expanses of heaven to separate the day from the night, the moon and the sun. And it was so. Uh, day five, verse 20, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And when I was reading, this is kind of interesting, just kind of a little side note, is how many of the creatures and the animals did God create when he created them? Did he create male and female only and they would go on to reproduce? Did he create them with the DNA that they had and they would create in various, uh, various uh, uh, different uh, methods? Um, but here um, it's a swarm. And so he created this, the waters were swarming with living creatures, whether it was one or a swarm of a, of a bunch. Uh, as well in day five it says, let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heaven. It was so it was evening, it was morning, and day 6, verse 24, the first part says, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kind, and it was so. And we stopped there, and we wanted to give a whole message to God creating man, and that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let's read that uh, through verse 28, where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's talk a little bit about how God refers to himself first, and then we'll talk about 
being created in his image. In verse 26, he says this. He says, then God, plural word that's used, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God, us, our, our um, are all plural words. And yet in verse 27, he uses a singular pronoun for himself uh, where it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created uh, them. And so he uses both plural for himself, and then he also refers to himself in the singular. Um, Early in the Genesis account, I think we see references to one God and three persons um, when he refers to himself in plural as well as the singular. Later in the baptismal formula, we find Jesus in Matthew 28 saying, baptize those who are his followers in the name of, and you know this, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons the majority of the Jews are not followers of Jesus is because of their strong belief in one God, one person. They just couldn't wrap their mind around the idea of a trinity. And let's grant them a little bit of, uh, a little bit of grace. They couldn't ma- it's, it's a problem, but they couldn't wrap their mind around the one God, one person. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Scripture says, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And all of those words are singular. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. They battled multiple gods and pagan nations around them. God didn't want them to have that problem. And so he, um, and so he gave them uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, and yet they still could see from Moses' writings and other writings as well this idea of a plurality of the Godhead uh, with it being still one God. And they just couldn't, they couldn't wrap their mind around that. Um, it was difficult. But they will one day. There is a 70th week to Daniel, and that's going to be the time when God opens up their eyes. They're going to recognize who Jesus is, and they're going to wrap their minds around that. It's going to cost them dearly, and yet they will worship the Lord. One day they will. This morning what I wanted to do in the rest of the time that we have together is I wanted to look at a pretty simple outline. God gave man an image. It's his own image. Adam and Eve, real people, our representatives, were created in the image and in the likeness of God. God blessed and tasked Adam and Eve, and then we're going to see that God provided for those he created in his image. And we're going to do this in, uh, mostly in Genesis chapter 1. I want to get a little bit into Genesis chapter 2 because that's where we find Eve coming into the picture. And we need to because in chapter 1 he says he made them in his own image. He made them. And so we want to introduce Eve into the picture as well. Verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. For mankind, the words made and created are used. So far up in in the creation picture, the only word that's been used is created, created from nothing. Um, But he uses both the word let us make and uh, create as well. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. uh, He created them. They were both made and created. Already a noteworthy difference from the rest of creation. Adam was made out of the dust of the earth. We find that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 where it says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and Eve was made from Adam's rib. And we find that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 11 where it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man while he slept, took one of his ribs, that's an anesthesia, isn't it? Took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, 
the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So he created, yes, but it's different than let there be, let there be, let there be. Um, He created Adam from dust and made him, and he created and made Eve from Adam's rib. Man was unique from the animal and creeping things and birds and fish, um, though they were all still alive also. And we find over in Genesis chapter 7 that they also had the breath of life, um, but we don't find it breathed into them like the unique way that God breathed into Adam the breath of life. It doesn't say anything about that. Uh, Only man was made and created in the image and likeness of God. Over time, there have been a lot of opinions about what that might mean. And wouldn't it be nice if I could give you three or four or five points and you could stick them in your pocket and memorize them and say this is exactly what it means to be created in the image of God? Well, I can't do that. Um, If people before me that are a whole lot smarter than me couldn't do that, it would be foolish for me to make you think that I could do that also. Um, But we can discern some things about what it means to be created in the image of God. And then also, I want it to be a quest of yours that you consider, I am created in the image of God. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you comb your hair. Most of you comb your hair. (laughs) That's as bad as Kakubi's. That's as bad as Kakubi's old people. (laughs) We look in the mirror. That's the point. We look in the mirror. Say to yourself, I am created in the image of God. Let that motivate you. God cre- of all of the things that God created, of all of the things that exist on this earth, I have been created. I am created in the image of God. I think that already, all by itself, I think that's going to display what our heartbeat is towards our Creator. And I hope it causes you to want to worship Him and to want to and to want to serve him. So you think about that. You meditate on that. I think mankind's reaction to this truth alone demonstrates the condition of the heart, um, which we find over in Romans chapter 3, left all by ourselves, um, doesn't ever choose to submit itself to God. And I should add, every person that walks this earth is created in the image of God. Whether they agree with you politically, whether they agree with you theologically, whether they agree with you morally, they also have been created in the image of God. And that's important to recognize, and we should treat them as image bearers of God also. Um, We'll find a little bit later on that God says to Noah, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image, chapter 9, verse 5. He didn't make righteous man in his own image. That's being conformed to the image of Christ. That's a different thing, similar but different. But he made everybody that walks this planet in the image of God. Maybe that'll help us with some of the differences that we have that are just deep and rooted uh, deeply uh, because of our faith. Um, We've been created in the image and likeness of God. Here are some of the things that we can glean from that. We're different from the animal creation, all right? We're different from the animal creation. Let me read something uh, that a man by the name of Henry Morris wrote. There can be little doubt that the image of God in which man was created entails those aspects of human nature which are not shared by animals. The things that the animals and the creeping things and the fish and the birds didn't have that we have, that's part of the difference. Characteristics such as moral consciousness, the ability to think abstractly and conceptually, an understanding of beauty and emotion, and above all, the capacity for worshiping and loving God. 
And I added, the, and it's implied in the, the capacity for worshiping and loving God, but I added the ability to have a relationship with him. The deers that are beautiful and the fish that I like to catch and the birds that fly, they're all part of God's creation, but we have the unique ability to come together this morning, and I hope that's what you did and are doing. Just because we're here doesn't mean that it is, but we can bow our knee to our Creator and worship Him as the one who created me in His image. We have that. They don't have that. This eternal and divine dimension, I continue, of man's being must be the heart at the heart of what is involved in the likeness of God. Since none of this was included in animal creation, it required a new creation, a different creation, and I added a little more. I think I would add in the image and likeness of God, we have tasks assigned, given to us, which the animal creation did not have. God gave Adam and Eve a task. First Adam, and then Eve came into the picture, and then he tasked them with something. All dogs have to do is be dog-like. All cows have to do is be cow-like. We're supposed to do the tasks that God has given us uh, to do as well. But man was given the the task of dominating and subduing uh, uh, the earth. Man has an eternal spirit placed within him. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, God placed eternity in our hearts. Even those who haven't bowed the knee to the Lord, God has placed eternity in their hearts. And so we speak God's word to people, and we see what the Spirit of God might do, and who knows that he might use something that's said or something that's created to prick a heart to draw someone to himself. The angels also have an eternal spirit, and can I note that we didn't see See the angels created in the six days of creation. They were already in the picture, already on the scene. Um, we don't see that. Uh, more about that some other time, some other message. The eternal spirit is not spoken of for the animals that are in creation, but for mankind it is. And so that's one of the differences of being created in the likeness and the image of God. Is our body created in the likeness of God? Man, I hope not. <laughs> We know that God is spirit. I read one article, is God man, a male or female? And what we know is God is spirit, yet at times he has taken on bodily form. Let me just give you a couple of two or three examples. He, uh, the angel of the Lord spoke with and met with Abraham, Genesis 17, 18 in there. The Lord wrestled with Jacob. Jesus became flesh at the incarnation as well. Uh, The king of kings will ride a white horse with a name written on his thigh that no one knows, which is still future. So there are times when God takes on a bodily form, but we also recognize that Scripture declares that God is spirit. He created mankind with a body to function with some of the things that God can do without a body. Let me just mention a few of them, and you'll recognize them quickly. God is able to see. Scripture says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to show those whose heart is strong towards him. He's got the capacity to see. He gave me eyes so that I can see, and yet he can see much more than I can. He can see even the intent of my heart. He's able to hear. 1 John chapter 5 says this, We know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him as we ask in Jesus' name. And so God, while he doesn't have a body like Jerry with ears, he has the capacity to hear. 
And yet there were times when he met Abraham and Jacob and Mary and Joseph when Jesus was incarnate. Uh, we recognize that he came in bodily form as well. Uh, Genesis chapter 4 verse 10 shows us even more of his capacity to hear. Uh, he said to Cain after he had killed his brother, what have you done? And then he said, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Something that you and I can't hear. And yet he said, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the, from the ground. God is able to smell. The prayers of the saints are spoken of in Scripture as a sweet-smelling aroma that lifts its uh, aroma up to the Lord. He's able to communicate, which is what he began doing in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God. Peter said, this is my beloved. He was, in, he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he heard with his ears. Peter said, he heard with his ears, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. And so God's got these body activities that he can do, though he might not be limited, or though he is not limited, in a bodily form like you and I are limited in a bodily point, a form. The point is God designed man to do these types of things which he himself already possessed. And so we're not like the animals in that he's, in that he's created us differently in his image. It's never spoken of like that. And he, he, he doesn't have a body, and yet he can come in bodily form, and yet he's given us a body. We don't graze like animals. We don't walk with our hands dragging the ground. He created us to walk uprightly, to express ourselves with feelings and emotions. He gave you a brain to reason and communicate, and we can have depth in our relationship with God. We can not have depth in our relationship with God because we ignore the principles that he's given us and the truth that he's given us uh, to live by and to dwell on, but we can have relationship with him. God knew in the fullness of time he would send his son in the likeness of mankind. That's Philippians chapter 2. Just as man had been made in God's likeness, he was going to send his son to be made in the likeness of man. Maybe that's a thought that's wrapped up in one of the aspects of man being created in God's image. It wasn't an afterthought. It was already planned before the foundation of the earth. And so that might be part of the being made in his image as well. Another unique characteristic of God creating man is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it says this, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's not spoken of of any other portion of God's creation. Genesis 7 does say that the animals and the creeping things and the birds have the breath of life, but it doesn't say that God breathed it into their nostrils. And so here's the picture. He's bent down, he's gotten dust, he's formed Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And, 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 and man became a living being, or it's the word that's used for soul. Man became a living soul. We have an image bearer uniqueness. And I'm not trying to be cute or funny here, but when you look in the mirror in the morning, in the afternoon, whenever you do, you say to yourself, I am made in the image of God. That places specialness upon me. It places the idea that I need to worship my creator. 
It helps me realize that I am separate and unique from all of the rest of creation, and it places responsibility on my shoulders as well. I am made in the image of God. And as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, we're being conformed to the image of Christ, which places that responsibility uh, on us as well. We have an image-bearer uniqueness. I want us to see the creation of Eve in this story, in this message. God referred to creating them, but she's not mentioned in chapter 1. She will be shortly. So flip over if you've got your Bible open to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. He had planted a garden. That's another message that's coming up. Gave Adam some tasks. And then in verse 20 it says, But for Adam, after he had named all of the animals, and if you wonder why a platypus is called a platypus, it's because that's the only word that Adam could think of at the time, I guess. I don't know. Uh, He's got some unique names out there. But for Adam, it says, There was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, literally, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. So what we have up up so far from Genesis chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 2, verse 23, is we have God telling the story of his creation. And then it's like Moses was the one who wrote this, but God inspired it. He threw this verse in here, and that's verse 24, that's going to be applied to all of mankind. And so we have history, 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 and then a verse that applies to all of mankind. Because she's bone of my bones, uh, because she was taken out of man, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, they shall become one flesh, They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We are image bearers. That is the position, the place that God has placed us in his creation. And that's his declaration. And we should lift our heads and walk as image bearers of God and worship him for who he is because he's done what he's done. And how much more those of us who have been saved from our sins as we're being conformed to the image of Christ should we we seek to walk a life that's pleasing to the Lord. He made us image bearers. He gave them an image, and the image that he gave Adam and Eve representing us was his own image. Just like Queen Elizabeth's image is on the coin, our image is God. He's stamped himself upon each one of us and every living being on this earth. Now we can understand maybe a little bit about the need for a Savior because of, because of the atrocities that we do before God. And yet he stamped his image upon each one of us. God gave man an image. It was his own. You were created in the image of God. I wanted to recommend something. In the bulletin that you got, if you uh, got one, they're on the tables as you leave. If you didn't, there, is, there are two websites. One is a video website. This one, Moms and Dads, is good for kids. It's a video that speaks about being made in the image of God. Uh, five or six minutes, it'd be good to sit down and, and watch it with your kids and talk about it. The other one is a place where there are several articles about being made in the image of God. It's called Got Questions. I think in the bulletin I put God Questions. It was a, a, t- a typographical error. Got Questions, and you go for Image of God, and there'll be several articles in there, and I just wanted to recommend those to you. It'll expand some of the things you think. God also blessed and tasked Adam and Eve. Look at verse 26b. It says this, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the living things that move on the earth. 
So he said to them, and in Genesis chapter 2, we read a little bit about it. We find the detailed account, account of what happened in Genesis 1. And I just wanted to highlight a couple of words in here from what we just read. He said, have dominion. To them, he said, have dominion over the creation that had been created. It's a word that means to rule or to dominate or to prevail. Um, In its original delivery, it would have been work, a task to be accomplished, but not with the difficulty that came once sin entered the picture. So sin hasn't entered the picture yet, and God said, Adam, Eve, I want you to have dominion and subdue the earth. And it would have been a task, it would have been work, but it wouldn't have been the problem that it is today because sin messed up everything. And then he uses the word subdue in verse 28, which means to control or to bring into bondage. One commentator says that both subdue and dominion are military terms. Have dominion over all the creation that has breath from day 5 and 6, but Verse 26 also includes the phrase over all the earth, which would include day two and three, the land that appeared, the vegetation, the plants and the trees. And so that's our task. And, and I, and I kind of, this is a little bit of you know, tongue in cheek, but kind of not. When I have to mow my yard or weed eat around the pond or I have to tame some weeds, it's the idea of having dominion on the earth. It's the idea of us controlling the things that God has given us. And so it's not a brainless, non-spiritual thing to do. Um, we do what we do is under the Lord. But he said to have dominion and uh, to subdue. And then he, it says that he blessed them. It's a word that means abundantly blessed or blessed indeed. Let me read another quote from this same man. He was born in 1918, died in the early two, uh, uh, 2206, so he wouldn't have understood technology the way our technology is today, but it's still true. Um, Listen to this. Not even able to envision our world today, uh, Henry Moore said, subduing and having dominion includes all the disciplines involved on the earth. So if you're an electrician, if you're an engineer, if you're a landscape artist, no matter what it is that you do, it all fits under, under that picture. Subduing, having dominion includes all the disciplines involved on the earth, science, technology, engineering, agriculture, medicine, the host of other practical technologies. This twofold commission to subdue and have dominion to conquer and rule embraces all productive human activities. Science and technology, research and development, theory and application, study and practice and so forth are various ways of expressing these two concepts of subduing and having dominion over all the earth. So not only did God say, I'm going to give you my image, and the image I'm going to give you is me, I'm going to give you my image, I also have a task for you. And he didn't give anybody else in his creation or anything else in his creation a task, but he did task Adam and Eve um, with this uh, twofold task. Obviously, in its original command, sin and its effects were not present. It would be much more difficult once sin enters the picture. David understood this. Let me read Psalm 8 to you. Yet you've made him, man, a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the work of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea. Makes you think David must have been reading Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Over the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Let me say this. Work was not part of the curse. Work is a responsibility of mankind because we are image bearers. Sweating by our brow when we till the ground is a result of the curse. The work responsibility isn't part of the curse. 
God himself did work. He created day one, day two, day three, and so on. And then he rested, and he gave Adam some work responsibilities already. Adam already had tasks before sin entered the picture. Working the ground by the sweat of your brow happened after sin. Uh, We'll have more on that in an appropriate message. He says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And this word fill means become full or complete. And it doesn't mean that there has to be one person in every square foot of the planet. What it means is that it won't be complete without you multiplying. And so be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And it's accomplished by, by husbands and wives having children, um, multiplying, which means to become many. Children, Psalm 127 says, it doesn't say they are work. They are work. But what children are, she took all my coins. No. <laughs> children are a heritage from the Lord. That's what they're from. And he wants Adam and Eve to have children and for us to have children. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full, uh, filled with them. Just like the vegetation, the plants, the fruit trees were to bear fruit from their seed according to their kind, day three of creation, and the water creatures and the birds were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and the seas and the birds multiplying the earth, day five of creation, and the living creatures and the livestock and the creeping things and the beasts of the earth according to their kind, day six, the beginning of it, Adam and Eve were blessed, they were abundantly blessed is the idea, and God told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And in Genesis chapter five, what we're going to find is we're going to find Adam's genealogy and they were at least partially and probably significantly obedient to that command of being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, and that was until murder came into the picture, death. And, and when it did, it came in very strongly. It's noteworthy that Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, Genesis, uh, excuse me, God will tell Noah the same thing, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth after he had destroyed every living thing on the earth apart from Noah and his family and the things that were in the ark. So God made Adam and Eve in his image. He tasked them with work that they were responsible for. And then we're going to finish with this. God provided for those he created in his image. Look at verse 29 for this. God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. Every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth. In which there is life, I've given every green herb for food, and it was so. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And we notice, and I think we noted last week also, that the declaration of God at the end of his creation of six days, what is very good. It is very good. Um, But he gave them uh, sustenance. Herbs and fruit were the original provision for Adam and Eve. Um, They didn't kill animals for their food. They didn't kill the beasts. They didn't kill the cattle or catch the fish and kill them or the birds. Death isn't spoken of until after sin enters the picture and then it runs rampant. Herbs and fruit were the food source not only for Adam and Eve but also for the beasts and the creeping things and the birds also. But for me to say that I should be that I should never eat meat and I should only be on a plant-based diet because it's biblical. Well, it was then, but we're going to find in Genesis chapter 9 when God speaks to Noah after he's destroyed the earth, I've given you everything for food. And so it might be more healthy, um, but it wasn't that 
we're supposed to live by that today. Probably be healthier if you, I would be, if you, if I do that. Every, uh, every moving thing he says in Genesis 9 to Noah after the, after the waters had settled, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you as I gave you the green plants. Now I give you everything, but you shall not eat flesh with his life, that is, its blood. By Noah's time, chapter 6, verse 7, it seems like even the animals were aggressive killers because of evil spreading the earth. There were those that were predators. There were those that were prey animals. So once sin enters the picture, man didn't do a very good job of subduing and dominating the, and dominating the earth probably weren't as concerned with it as, a, as an act that was unto the Lord. After that time frame, we find dietary laws given to Israel uh, in the Old Testament as well. Acts chapter 9, I think, speaks of, and especially Acts chapter 15, God opening up all foods for, for us as well. The only, the only uh, thing that the early church that had Jews in it as well asked that the Gentiles not do was to eat things in their blood. Uh, and so we find that the dietary laws changed. When you think about Adam and Eve's situation, it, like, it literally was heaven on earth. They walked with God. Um, he had some requirements for them. They had work and responsibility that they were supposed to do, and they did those things, and they walked with God in the cool of the air and communed with him. It was heaven on earth, at least until sin entered the picture. And sin enters the picture, and we're going to see that in Genesis chapter 3. But I wanted us today to see that God created them in his image and his likeness. He gave them an image, and the image is my image, God speaking. God tasked them with caring for his creation. God also provided for them in the plants and the the fruit. And then sin messed everything up, and it messed it up in a grand way. But one of these days, sin won't have the effect that it has. We look forward to that day, don't we? And sin shall be no more. Let's finish with this. You and everybody that you encounter today, no matter where you go, were made in the image of God. Every single person that you encounter. Doesn't matter how they agree or disagree with you, whether it's spiritual or political or moral or whatever it is, they were made in the image of God. You know, being made in the image of God might be a really handy truth-filled way of beginning to share the gospel. Do you know you and I are both alike in that we were made in the image of God? It's positive. I'm made in God's image. It comes with responsibility as well, and so there's an easy door to opening our hearts and speaking about sin. Um, And so you take that to heart and think about that. But as we encounter people today, every single one of these, all the kids that are back there and all the kids that are not, we are all made in the image of God and everyone else in Lone Jack as well. And he made us in his image because he wants, to, he wants us to reflect him, period. Let's pray to God. Father, we bow before you. We thank you that without understanding everything about it, we can recognize the specialness of who we are because you created Adam and Eve, representatives for all of mankind, in your image. You gave them tasks. You provided for them. For us who know you, you're conforming us to the image of Christ. Father, I pray that as image bearers of God, if there's someone here today 
that hasn't bowed the knee and said, Jesus, I recognize you died on the cross for me, that just the idea of being an image bearer of God would grip their heart. Grant them the understanding to see Jesus' sacrificial death, the need for repentance, the need for absolute surrender. And Father, we pray that for all of us. We recognize that if we're part of your family, it is only because of your goodness and your grace. And we thank you for that. And we want to bear your image in a way that's worthy of the one who created us and worship you because of what you've done. And we ask you to work in our hearts, work in our midst individually, as well as give us opportunities, even with this idea of you're an image bearer of God, opportunities to share the gospel. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.